the gathering that we have here today. Lord, for your ability to do what we cannot do, and Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would do just that thing today. But God, in spite of all the things that happened today and all the things that have happened this past week and all the things that you know are to come this next few days, Father, for this time and in this place, Give us the peace that surpasses understanding. Allow us to focus our hearts and our minds on you. Open our ears that we might hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So those seeds are my seeds. Uh, I live on a farm, but I'm not a farmer. I'm hoping to be a farmer. I want to be a farmer, but I'm just a farmer wannabe right now. It's just the truth. It is. I love to grow stuff, and, and I'm not bad at it, but I've yet to raise the level to being a farmer. So this is something that Michelle and I are working on and what we hope to be doing um, for till the Lord takes us home. I've learned a lot of things about farming and about the complexity of it, and, and I've grown to appreciate more and more and more people that have done that all their lives over these past years. Um, really, since I moved to Kentucky, I had the privilege of being in just rubbing elbows with people that farmed all their lives and just been amazed by how incredibly smart they were and how they knew their land, knew their livestock, and all these kinds of things. Uh, and so couple decades of really getting to have that interaction and then more so just as I've seen our culture just become so separated from the things that are real and true and alive and become more and more in, enmeshed in what's um, digital that you can't put your really fingers on and, and to elevate the popularity, all these things that are very fleeting and really lose that connection to really depending upon God and his blessing of us every day by day by day and his provision for us every day by day and season by season. We've kind of lost that. And so it's really driven me more towards that, that, that level of appreciation for those who understand the ground. One of the things um, that I've learned over the last several years in particular, as we've transitioned into um, trying to make farming a way of life in Michelle and I's life is how complex just managing land is. You know, we, we were um, blessed with a, a little plot on a much larger farm, and we started to work it, needed to be cleared first, which was interesting. Uh, one of my favorite memories of clearing is uh, I borrowed my neighbor's tractor, which farmers do. I just love that. Uh, so I borrowed my neighbor's tra tractor, and I'm bush hogging the, the land. And the, the ver vegetation was about this high. And so I'm on the tractor, which is higher. And um, some of the vegetation was higher than, you know, 19, 10 feet. And I, I come around a corner, and stuff is laying down in front of the tractor before it gets to the bush hog. And so a bunch of bushes and stuff, lay down in front of the tractor, and right smack in front of me is a hornet's nest about this big. And I was coming around a corner. There was no place to go. And so I did the only thing that I could think of. 
I gunned the tractor and prayed hard. <laughs> I said, Lord, if you're going to confuse some hornets, now's the time. You know, and I, I'm not kidding you. I'm literally praying because I could not stop the tractor in time. And there was just no two ways right over that hornet's nest. And they were upset. I'm going to just let you know. Uh, they were upset, but I, I live to tell about it, and, and none, none too worse for the wear. Um, so God definitely helped the bush hog to confuse him as to which way was my way to come get me for knocking down their house. But as we um, started to look at the soil and work the soil, uh, we found out some things. Um, rocks grow on farms. Anybody that's had a farm knows that. And um, there's been several times when I know that I picked up that rock before. So I go pick up that rock, put it in my rock pile, and I have some very spectacular rock piles. It's the best thing we've grown so far. And uh, three months later, that rock is right back there. So I, now I didn't mark the rock over there, but I can swear to you that that rock rocked right back over and said, this is my house, you know, this is where I'm staying. It's just amazing. So that's one of the things I've learned. Another thing I've learned is... Uh, what is beneath the surface is really variable. And there's some places that I thought, oh man, this is going to be great to plant right here. And so we get to work in the soil and it's like, nope, this is not good to plant right here. It looks good on the surface, but right below there's nothing. There's just uh, that Kentucky clay. And you know what I'm talking about? It's the stuff that gets wet. And when it gets on your feet, it never comes off again. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be wearing certain dirt in my skin till I see Jesus face to face. It just won't come off. It gets on your shoes and boots and it's just like concrete. So some of that we found right below the surface on our farm. And it's very difficult to grow anything but weeds. Weeds love it just fine, but anything else beyond that. And there's been some other places where I said, oh man, this is going to really not be all that great of a space because you know, looking at the topography and those kind of things and, and look underneath and all of a sudden there's this deep, rich, dark soil that says, hey, I'm full of nutrients. I'm ready to, to receive and to grow. And it's like, wow, I didn't expect for it to be here. And here it is. And so we've tried to mark, you know, where these places are, where the stuff is good for growing and where the dirt is not good for growing. So we need to work it and manage it and get it from where it's at. And then, of course, cleaning up the rocks, which is a part-time job all the time because they just keep on growing and growing and growing because we have a wonderful rock farm at, at my house. And so the more time that I spend on this, the more I understand this story that many people who have been part of church have heard many times over. It's a story that Jesus told to a great crowd and they understood the story because the story is very familiar. He told a story about a farmer and he said, you know, a farmer got his seed together, not one, but got his seed together, and he dips into his bag, and he begins to cast the seed. And some of that seed falls on ground that is hard. The birds love that. Why? It's easy pickings, right? Just come down. Thank you for the lunch, Mr. Farmer Man. All right. Some of that seed falls on places that has nutrients, but the soil is rocky. 
Now, I understood theoretically, because Jesus explains it later on, I understood theoretically why that, that is. But the more I've learned about farming, the more I've learned that soil temperature matters a lot when it comes to growing stuff. And so the sun comes down, even in the winter, and will warm the earth. And the, the seed doesn't know any better, because they don't have brains. The seed it's just like, it's warm. It's time to grow. And so it springs up. But there's nothing to sustain it. And that very same sun that encouraged it to grow now says, ha, 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 I'm going to burn you up. And it gets burned up. And then there's that third soil. And this is where every good farmer aims for, is that soil that's really, really great. And that plant takes root there, finds good nutrients there, grows up in strength there. And produces much fruit. We've been going through this series called Just Believe. And we've looked at what, why, how. And today I want to look at when. When do I need to believe? Do I have some time? I went and visited a man years and years ago in, in a little town that's actually a much bigger town now in LaGrange, Kentucky, and he was in the hospital. He was in pretty bad shape, and I'd been asked to come see him, and he had been somehow loosely connected to uh, a Baptist church at some point in his life, and, and so he wanted a Baptist preacher to come, and they knew me at the hospital, so they called the Baptist preacher, and I, I went to, to visit him, and, and I'm not quite sure why he wanted me to visit him, but he did, and so we talked some things, and and he wanted me to pray for him, which I did. And I challenged him. I said, has there ever been a point to where you surrendered your life to the authority of Jesus Christ? And he, and, he, and he said, oh, I'm a member of such and such and such a church. I said, really? How long has it been there? Oh, I haven't been there in 30 years. Okay, so the question I've asked, I'm going to ask you again. Has there ever been a time you know, where you've surrendered your life, the authority of your heart, to Jesus and receive the forgiveness of your sin. He said, well, I was baptized in such and such a time. I said, okay, that's great. Third time, I'm going to ask you the question. So I asked him again, and if you know me, I'm not really normally that pushy, but there's sometimes when the Lord just doesn't allow me anything else. I mean, he's just like, you will say this whether you like it or not, and so I find myself just being obedient because he made me be obedient. I'm always grateful for those times because they don't come often enough for me. Where I'm just so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that I obey him. So I, I asked him again. And he said, he said, you know what, I've thought about it. And I didn't think about that being a response. So that kind of surprised me. He says, I've thought about it. And I said, oh, really? He said, I'm thinking that that would be something I'd like to do on my deathbed. I'm like looking around. I said, <laughs> I said dude, I think you're pretty close to being there. They, I honestly said that, and, um, and I mean, even telling the story, I'm getting, it's like, man, this was not vintage me, so, um, so and he looks at me, he says, no, I think I still have some more time. I said, you're in the hospital, you were concerned enough to ask the hospital to call the Baptist preacher to come to visit you and pray for you, but you still think you have enough time. You know what it is that you need to do, but you think that you will do it later. And as I left that hospital room, and I wish I could tell you there was this grand story, you know, the angels came and the skies parted and he surrendered his life to Christ, but he remained in the hardness of his heart. He knew what he needed to do, 
He even knew when he needed to do it. But he was unwilling. And so as I've looked at this story over and over and over again, I've began to understand it, not just as those people out there, but this man right here. It isn't just about what the gospel does out there. But what the good news of the authority of Christ, the abundant life that the Holy Spirit brings, the conviction of sin, the obedience that a child of God needs to have, has in here. My heart. I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles. If you didn't bring one with you, there's ones that are in front of you. The words will be on the screen, yes. Get your Bibles, open them up, find Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus has told this story as I've related it to you. The people have heard it, and they have not got it. They got it on the one hand. They know what farmers do and the difficulties of farming, but they didn't quite get how it related to their forever existence this was a familiar story a regular story one that was not unknown to them especially at this time in culture but how it related to God and all the truths that are contained therein they just really didn't get it and his disciples are like why do you keep on telling them stories that folks just don't really understand And oh yeah, by the way, we don't get it either. Can you help us out? (laughs) Verse 18, chapter 13. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Where was it planted? In their hearts. Now the story says that the seed fell on the path where the, where the dirt was packed, where there wasn't any ability for it to take root. But in the explanation, I, want, I don't want you to miss this. In the explanation, the seed falls on the heart of the one who does not understand. Verse 20. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it how? With joy. So their response is a response of welcoming. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so that no what is produced, no fruit. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good 
soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. So I'm going to do my best to present to you the answer to the when question. Now, Christians, particularly those of you that have been around in church for a while, you know that the when question, the answer is now. Right? But I, I want to go beyond just now. We, we all know the, the dynamic of now, don't we? We tell our children to do something. They say, when do you want me to do it? You say, now. How does that work? Okay, the chuckles are enough. It lets me know. You know, God is saying now, but he understands that we are the very same children that we were parenting and that we're, we are also parented. Now kind of goes in one ear and out the other, and sometimes it means immediately, and sometimes it means five minutes or ten minutes or never. But it is the answer to the question now. If you do not have Jesus as the Lord of your life, if you've not been forgiven of your sin by confessing it to him, by receiving the forgiveness that God freely gives to you, by surrendering your life to his authority and then doing your absolute best to follow Jesus Christ, your time is now. Not at the invitation time later on, right now. To do just that. To realize that as an independent God, you've chosen to break your relationship with the creator of the universe. You have sinned. And that the only remedy for that is not to be better but to be forgiven, which is freely offered to you. And you can receive it now. No special words, no grand music, just you and God having a transaction of you receiving forgiveness and surrendering your life, the authority of who you are as a person to his authority and then following his one and only son. That's now. And if you're not there, now is the time to do that. But what if you've already surrendered your life to Christ? What if you count yourself as a child of God? How does this particular message apply to you? Well, I, I want to challenge you with that very same now question, that very same now principle. The very first seed that is thrown out strikes the paths where the dirt is packed and it's easy picking for the birds. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to just believe when truth strikes the heart. Did you notice that? I pointed it out. Did you notice that? That that very first path was the path that Jesus says is the heart. So what does your heart look like? If you were to honestly take an evaluation of yourself, if you were to step outside your body and look at the responsive part of who you are to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, claiming that you're a Christian, you're here at church on a Sunday morning, which you should get points for, Right? But if you really look at who you are before Christ, what does the heart look like? Is it the place to where when God's truth drops on it, it bounces? 
Or is it the place where when God truth hits it, it sinks deep because it's ready to receive? What's your heart like? You say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. My heart must be good. No. Has anyone here ever heard of a Christian doing something that is distinctly and unequivocally not Christian? Yes. How does that happen? When God's truth hits the heart of that servant of Christ and it bounces off. When is the time to take care of that heart? Now. Now. And the very same thing that caused the heart to surrender in the first place, brother and sister in Christ, to the lordship of Jesus Christ, to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, to the presence of the Holy Spirit, is the very same way for that heart change to happen now. But you've got to be honest with yourself and before God about where, where my heart is at. Where is my heart at? I want to just take just, just a moment and let's just honestly evaluate how our hearts get that way. When Jesus told the story, he talks about the seed falling on the dirt that is packed down. How did it get packed down? People walked on it, right? Now, is it illegal, unethical, or flat out dangerous to just walk on the ground? No, no, that's normal parts of life, right? We had, we had dogs growing up at my house. I don't know what it is about the dogs. They'll leave their calling cards everywhere, but they always run in the same way. We always knew where our dogs were going when we weren't watching them. How? Because they left a path. Now, they would break from the path to do their business, which made it a lot of work for myself and my brothers. But what they were doing, where they were going, was very normal. And you could see it in the grass. I had a friend. When he found out I was farming, I was doing some soil reclamation and that kind of thing. He said, man, we got this thing going with the dogs. And I said, nope, don't tell me. And I described for him, his dog's the same way. Goes out the same way, packs it down, kills the grass. I want you to hear this, brothers and sisters. We become hard just doing what we do. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to make any special effort. You don't have to be a mean person. You have to be a wicked person. You don't have to make any sort of grand gesture to become hard. Just do life. That's all you need to do. Walk in those paths where you've been before. And pretty soon, when God's truth hits the ground of your heart, boink! And it's so brutal that you may not even have, when you get to that point, the ability to say, I just felt God's truth hit my heart and bounce because the evil one comes and snatches it away. So if the, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is convicting you now 
that your heart is in that condition now. Repent now. Because it is a grace that you even realize that truth has hit that heart and has bounced. Don't be that man in the hospital room saying, well, I'll ask God to soften my heart later before I die. Because the the danger, the, the frightening truth of this is we get to the point we can't even, we don't even notice. So that's the very first principle from this passage that we've got to recognize is that we need to believe when truth strikes our heart. The second thing that we need to recognize as being now is when joy is stirred. Look back to your Bibles. Verse 20, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and respond with joy. And there's been a lot written about whether or not the rocky soil and the the weedy soil is the same kind of soil, but it doesn't really matter. The answer is still now. What matters is that there is an opportunity that we have when truth strikes our hearts to respond with joy and to recognize it for what it is and to respond in a way that allows it to take root and not shallow root because that was the problem. There was a problem underground with the rocky soil. The roots would go down and they would hit rocks, right? Has anyone here ever been growing the Lord, really understanding things about God and what he's doing in their lives and have hit some sort of obstacle that seemed to be impenetrable? Does that happen to anybody here? Yeah. I I would imagine it's probably happened to more than one here. That's rocky soil, folks. We know what that's like. Almost everyone actually, honestly, has been there. Just growing and maybe sharing and, and, and doing things that they know that God is pleased with. And they're just like, Pow! all of a sudden, er, I'm not growing anymore. And it doesn't matter how hard I try, that is not going anywhere. And then things that I was just flying through just a week or two ago or a month or two ago or a year or two ago, now I can't seem to get past. That's underneath. Well, how about up up top? Same truth, receive for joy and just growing that relationship, seeing God do incredible things, giving honor to him, sharing that truth with friends and then all of a sudden the sun doesn't seem to be so bright anymore because oh yeah I got to go do this and oh yeah I got to pay attention to that and oh yeah this is really going to impact this decision in my life and so if I choose Christ first then this can no longer be first and I kind of like this and I like this to be first and so how about if we just kind of tweak this a little bit so this is like first-ish so Jesus can be first-ish too And these things just continue to grow. 
farmer a long, long, long time ago jokingly asked me as a young man, just like I asked these children as a young man, boy, what's the difference between a plant and a weed? I thought I was smarter than what I really was, you know. So I gave him some answer. It was wrong. I said, nap, ain't the difference. You know, you know, you know how to tell the difference? I said, obviously not. Share with me. He said, try to pull it up. He said, I said, what do you mean? He said, a weed will work you every time a plant comes clean out of the ground. I thought, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Until my dad put me on dandelion duty. You know this. <laughs> There's certain among us in this culture that have just capitulated to dandelions. They just eat them. They're just done. You know, it's like God created them. We're going to just eat them. So I eat them. I haven't caught that far yet. But I got on dandelion duty. I was supposed to get the dandelions out of the grass. And this, we didn't have money to put chemicals on the grass. And I'm against that anyway now. But at the time, I would have loved chemical. But... Um, my dad had boys, and so we were the dandelion patrol. Go out there and get the dandelions. You already know. I mean, I, I heard you laugh. You already know. You think you got that dandelion out? Nah. No. There's some little bit of that dandelion way down there. It's going to pop right up maybe next day, maybe one week, but it's coming. And if you dig the hole, I decided I was going to do that one time. I, I'm, I'm going to dig a hole. This dandelion is not going to come back. So there's a dandelion about this big, did a hole about this big, and I carefully broke all the dirt away from that dandelion. That dandelion root was no kidding this deep. Little plant, that if you, if you get the flower beforehand, it lays flat on the ground, but its root was that deep. Folks, in all of our lives, every single one of us, we got some weeds growing. How do I know? Because if we sat down and did an inventory of your life, and if you sat down with me and did an inventory of my life, I'm, I'm part of us, okay? This is not me preaching at you. This is a brother in Christ encouraging the family of God with the reality that we're all in. We got weeds. And how do I know? Because if we were to say, okay, this part of your life needs to be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, even if we said, yes, let's do it. Oh my gosh, it's back. Because that's what weeds do. So the second principle from this passage is one that we just have to know. Now is the time when we're stirred with joy. Now is the time to respond so that those weeds don't have a chance to grow. I, I do. I've got one minute. I'm only spend one minute. One of the things that we're trying to do in our, on our farm and that we will do, and it may cause us to not be successful, and that's fine. I'm okay with that, is that we're not using chemicals for pesticides, not using chemicals for fertilizer. We're doing something that's called beyond organic farming, okay? And so people that do normal farming call people like us stupid, 
I mean, just, you can't do it. But one of the things that people that have been successful doing this have been able to demonstrate is when good, healthy stuff is growing, it makes it more and more difficult for the unwanted stuff to grow. Across the spectrum, whether it be bugs, birds, or weeds growing in the ground, the more healthy what you do is, tree, oats, doesn't matter. The more healthy, the less opportunity there is for the weeds to grow. And so you may be thinking, and I hope that you are, well, I've responded with joy, but I'm still dealing with that impenetrable below the surface thing or weeds just constantly grow, 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 grow. How do I get out of that? And the answer is simply, you've got to work on becoming the healthiest ground you possibly can and growing the best stuff that you possibly can as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because where the point of the story comes to be in crystalline focus is at the end. Verse 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest. So when do I need to believe? When I hear it and I understand it, that's when. Period. That's when. Because when I hear it and I understand it, I know that it's got into that place in my heart that's not hard. It's gotten in that place in my heart that's not bounded by rocks or choked by weeds. It's in that place to where I can say, yes, Lord. And it starts to grow. And the more things that we say yes, Lord, to, the more things that we grow that belong to the Holy Spirit in our life, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, those things. The more of that that's going on in us, the less opportunity for all the other things to happen that happen. It's not much more complex than that, folks. In fact, I would say perhaps it's even simpler than that. But we've created all of these things that keep us from that relationship with God in Christ Jesus. And we've replaced it with all of these things that, that bind us and upset us and doing all the things and even things that other Christians say, oh yeah, that's a good thing. I'm glad you're doing that. And they'll encourage us from their hard hearts to our hard hearts to not do what it is that God would have us to do because it's acceptable. I know somebody here is either that person or has a neighbor that that's, is that person. I've already mentioned dandelions. Shell and I lived in a beautiful neighborhood one time and, uh, you know, I had the suburban home and uh, I love to take care of stuff. You know, I want to be a farmer, so I kept, you know, but in our, on our street, there was the guy who, for whatever reason, just didn't care. Like I said, you may be that person, you may live next to that person, I don't know, but the dandelions would grow. It's a talk of the whole neighborhood. Now, I didn't care. Dandelions happen. I'm okay with that. But many people were furious because those dandelions grow up in the little yellow flowers. And then what happens to those little yellow flowers? They become little white poofs. And what happens to those little white poofs? Those little white poofs get blown away. 
Sometimes it's four-year-olds. Look, look at this. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's just the wind blowing. Just the way it goes. And so that weed just spread and spread and spread. And people that wanted that smooth carpet of just green were so angry, so upset about it. They wanted the person to be censored, ticketed, find something for keeping weeds in his or her yard. And I think a lot of Christianity is just like that. Rather than looking at the health of our own soil, we're always worried about the weeds in somebody else's soil. Rather than making sure that our own hearts are where they need to be and working diligently to keep them that way, we love to cross our arms and shake our heads and look at the other person and say, you know, now that person's got some rocky soil or that person's got some weedy soil or that person is just a beaten path rather than looking in our own hearts. Responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. So, I've been privileged to teach you all now since the end of July. And this is the shortest message I've given. I don't think that I need to say much more. Just believe when? Now. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I've got some good news for you. God loved you so much that he became flesh. And this whole thing, this whole Christmas thing, is about God becoming a human being. A little boy. Born just like little boys are born. And that little boy grew up just like little boys grow up. He was extraordinary because he's God. But he grew up just like us, one day at a time, dealt with all the things that we deal with. All of them. Sexual temptation, anger, frustration. Am I going to cheat on this test? Well, maybe not. He's God. He probably knew the answer. But anyway. But probably. All the things. And then as a full-grown man, having always said yes to God 100% of the time, every time, he was without sin. Never sinned one time in his life. Not a lie. White, black, blue. Kaleidoscope. Never one time. Not because he was unable to lie, but because he knew that his father was the father of truth. And in that state, he was hated to the point that he was publicly stripped, beaten to the point of death, and then nailed to a tree, what we call the cross, until he died. Then he was torn from there and put in a grave that did not even belong to him or his family. And that was supposed to be the end of that. But here's where the good news comes in. It wasn't the end of that. That birth, that growing up, that horrible end was all done so that you and I could realize that we have a way to reconnect our relationship to God and to each other. 
because Jesus didn't remain in the grave. He rose again because sin, which is the primary cause of death, in fact, is the cause of death, no longer had a hold. And so those who place their faith in him now, who believe that the story that I just told you is not only true, but is transforming now, receive the gift of forgiveness of that sin, receive the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which God promises is going to lead us to an abundant life, a life that's full, not to riches, not to lack of sickness, not to all the things that snake oil salesmen love to sell to this very, very day, but a life that's fully abundant because it can never stop being alive. So that when our bodies do wear out and everybody's body does wear out, when the riches no longer are enough and riches are always never enough, we're received into the family that God has been building now for thousands of years, forever and ever and ever. And for those of us who've crossed that line, is that good news? Is that good news? You guys are just like, this is a rhetorical question. No, I want to hear, is that good news? Yeah, okay, well, there, I know I didn't put you to sleep. So, the time for you to respond, to confess your sin, and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior is now. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you've come this Sunday before Christmas when we get to celebrate together as a family on Christmas Eve. We get to do the things that we do with our families, hopefully to keep Christ in the center of things, but regardless of whatever your experience is, your time is also now. Will you believe that God can take your heart that's been patted down through life and made hard, soft again? Will you believe that the rocks that seem to come up in your heart, like they come up on my farm, it's like, I just took that out of there. And there it is again. Can still be removed. That the weeds that you've tried so hard to pull and pull and pull and they just seem to grow and grow and grow can be overcome. Will you believe now that God wants you to be a heart that is soft and tender, that when his truth invades it, it changes everything because it makes you into a fruit bearer? Everyone. Some 30, some 60, some 100. But all would agree that your soil is soil that's producing Because your heart is where it needs to be. We're going to spend some time responding to the Lord. You're welcome to come up. I will pray with you. You're welcome to come up and just pray here. You're welcome to turn around right where you're seated and get on your knees and talk to God. You're welcome just to remain where you're at. All of these things are important only if you respond to God. If you're here and it's your first time to surrender your life to Christ, come share it with me. Allow me to rejoice with you because all of heaven rejoices that you are now part of his family. We want to do that together as well. Father, I thank you for the blessing of the power of your word. Lord, I thank you that you use things that we understand, like how do seeds grow, to communicate the truth 
that we don't understand. And that's how does my heart work? God, I pray that you would do what only you could do over these next few minutes for the sake of the increase of your kingdom and its glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we have a time?